0: Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Michelle Hennessy, and this week, why do we need another dose of a COVID vaccine? Well, here we are again. COVID case numbers are on the rise, and with just a month until Christmas, public health officials are urging people to go back to the basics. Reduce your social contacts, ventilate indoor spaces, wear a mask, keep your distance, and wash your hands. Now, there are measures that we're used to, so, almost two years into the pandemic, what else is the government doing to drag those case figures down and tackle the highly transmissible Delta variant? Well, one new approach you've been hearing about is COVID vaccine booster jabs. We're now several weeks into the rollout of booster doses, first targeting older and immunocompromised groups and healthcare workers. And here to talk to us about all things boosters is Christine Losher, Professor of Immunology at DCU. Now, Christine, looking at the case figures, I think people are feeling a bit of despair at the moment and maybe thinking that we haven't really come that far. So can you explain the difference vaccines have made for Ireland in the fight against COVID and where we might be if we didn't have vaccines?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess um, at the moment with case numbers high and us being worried about hospitalisations and ICU, it's hard to find the positive Uh, of vaccination, but I suppose if I just maybe talk about a few numbers um, to put it into context. In the last month, 100,000 people have tested positive for COVID-19 and of that 100,000, we have about 600 um, people in hospital and about 130 of those are in ICU. Most of those in ICU and hospital, like over 50% of them are people who aren't vaccinated. So we have a few hundred people who have been vaccinated out of that hundred thousand that have ended up in hospital. Um, and most of those would have a another um, underlying condition. So they wouldn't um represent, I suppose, the vast majority of people. So I think when you look at the very small number who are having issues with COVID 19 infection, on the back of the enormity of the case number, I think that's very clear about the job that vaccines are doing. So while the case number might be high, they're preventing severe illness and hospitalisation, which is the primary role of a vaccine. So I think our vaccine wall is holding fast. And I think that the boosters, which we're going to talk about on this podcast is about enhancing that wall and adding extra cement to that wall really going into the winter.
0: Yeah, so just before we get into the chat about boosters, I want to quickly go over where we are uh, with the rollout in Ireland. You now, at the time of recording, people over the age of 60, healthcare workers and those living in a long term care facility are getting their boosters. And you must be more than five months on from your second dose or if you got the single dose of the Janssen vaccine three months after that. People with weak immune systems are also getting a third dose of the vaccine. And next up will be people aged over 50 and anyone aged 16 to 49 with an underlying condition. Now, people will also have been hearing that consideration is being given to boosting the entire population. That's a discussion that's ongoing. Uh, And boosters are being administered right now, mainly in vaccination centers, but also by GPs and pharmacists. And you either get a text about your appointment or you can contact your GP or a pharmacy. And so far more than 600,000 booster doses have been administered in this initial stage. But Christine, let's actually get a grasp on the basics. When we talk about a booster vaccine, not just in terms of COVID, what do we actually mean?
1: Yeah, so I think that's it's a really good question. I think, you know, we we've only really associated boosters now with COVID as if boosting a COVID vaccine is the first time we've ever used a booster for a vaccine. So it's quite normal to boost vaccines um, after a, a long period of time. So what normally happens after you get a vaccine is you get a really good immune response. You get lots of antibodies, lots of T cells that are capable of killing whatever you're getting vaccinated against. And then over time that starts to decrease a little bit. So it starts to wane a little bit, but for most of the things that were vaccinated against, when you think about measles or mumps or whooping cough for all those that were vaccinated against, the chances of us actually interacting with somebody who's carrying um, that infection and who might pass it on to us is actually very, very low because of our levels of vaccination and the fact that the incidence of those diseases is is practically zero at the moment. When you look at COVID-19 vaccine and you look at the waning immunity that we see happening at the moment, which is natural after vaccination, we're seeing that it's having more of an impact because the viral Um, level in the community is so high, which means that we're being exposed to COVID way more than we have ever been in the pandemic. And that means that the small waning of immunity matters more. It's translating more into an impact on case numbers. So normal waning immunity after a vaccination doesn't really matter for the most part for vaccines um, against all kinds of infections that we don't encounter very much look at that in the context of COVID-19, we're encountering it all the time, which means the waning immunity impacts more. And that's why this waning immunity and boosting that immunity back up to a higher level is so critical at the moment to manage our case numbers. So how
0: much has the efficacy of each COVID vaccine waned? And in what way is there a difference between the different vaccines that people might have got?
1: When we look at how Well, the COVID vaccines are performing against the Delta variant of COVID-19. None of them are as strong against Delta as they would have been in the clinical trials against earlier strains, but they still are very, very good. So if we look at Pfizer, Pfizer started off having much stronger immunity to Delta. So people who got two doses of Pfizer had about 88% protection against um, getting a a symptomatic uh, infection. If you look at J&J and AstraZeneca, you're looking at about 75 or 77%. So the level of protection from those two vaccines weren't, weren't as strong as Pfizer to start with. So then when we look at waning immunity, Pfizer maybe goes down to about 72, 73%. J&J and AstraZeneca go down lower into the 60s. And that's because they started off at a lower point. So waning immunity seems to matter more with them. If we look specifically at J&J, we've seen some recent evidence that actually with J&J, we're not seeing waning immunity after five and six months. We're actually starting to see it as early as three months. So they wane a little bit quicker because they got a single shot. And that's why the recommendation for Janssen vaccine um, after three months for a second dose is, is the new recommendation because the data is telling us that they wane faster than AstraZeneca and Pfizer and this kind of waning that we're seeing
0: were we expecting that were we expecting the extent to which we're seeing at the moment
1: it's really difficult um uh, when you're trying to i suppose manage a new vaccine regime i mean a lot of the time we look at um vaccines that are rolled out for children and we see that we give them two and three doses and we give them boosters when they come into their adolescence years. so that would be the norm that you would i suppose figure out how often to give a vaccine depending on 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 infection levels. When we look at COVID, because it's such a new vaccine, we really had to wait and see whether or not um, waning immunity would matter um, as much as it does. I don't think we would be as worried about boosters as we are if we weren't dealing with Delta. I think because it's so transmissible and because we're in winter, it's posing more of a problem for our case numbers. And that's why the waning immunity is more of an issue. If we were dealing with the alpha wave like we were early last year and had the level of vaccination that we have now, I don't think it, it would be posing us um, as much of a problem.
0: So Delta has really been a game changer in all of this, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, Delta is really the reason why we're here. I mean, you know, it, it, Delta so much more transmissible even than the alpha variant we were dealing with earlier on this year. When we look at how transmissible it is, the chance of you, when you interact with somebody with Delta, of getting the the infection from them is so much higher than it ever was with any of the other strains. We're coming into winter, coronaviruses in general are seasonal winter viruses. So it's the perfect environment. We're all moving indoors. It's a playground for a virus at the moment. So the waning immunity is really much more of a factor with such a highly transmissible virus um, such as Delta, as it would have been with previous variants. So Delta is absolutely a game changer. Now, Israel is ahead
0: with the booster program as they were with the rollout in general. And we've been looking to them all the way through for an indication of how we'll get on. So is there data coming from Israel on boosters and how well they're working?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's it's great that we have Israel so ahead of the curve on boosters because real world data is just so informative. So... When we look at um, what's coming out of Israel, we see that when they boosted, first of all, if we look at the immunity in individuals, the level of antibodies didn't just come back up to where they were with the initial doses, but actually went higher again. So the it really looks like this third dose, this boost is really giving a much more enhanced level of immunity than we ever would have had before. And the more you're exposed in terms of vaccines and boosters, the more higher quality your antibody is so it's not just that there's more antibody there it's actually more specific and it works better um, so that's what we're seeing from israel and actually the early indications were into about two or three months now after israel have boosted and they're seeing no waning of that boosted immunity whereas we would have seen started uh, to wane in, in in other um in other doses the first and second dose so really the data from israel is saying Boosting gives you enhanced immunity and there's no indication yet that it's going to start to wane. And the positive outlook is that it may actually stay at a high level for maybe the next nine to 10 months.
0: There is also some evidence that mixing vaccines could give you a stronger immune response. So, for example, giving someone who originally had Janssen or AstraZeneca a booster of Pfizer and Moderna. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so there's been lots of not just real world data, but lots of um, clinical studies that have looked at initial doses of either AstraZeneca or Janssen coming in with a booster dose then of Pfizer. And what they've shown is, again, that not only is it bringing the immunity level up, but actually you're getting a much more enhanced response. And I would say, you know, with the with the. the controversy in some way around people getting AstraZeneca and maybe not as being protective against um against covid as Pfizer was those people get that bonus now of that mixed uh, booster when they get their Pfizer booster um, this winter, that they'll get this enhanced immunity. And and really, we think the reason for that is, is that both of those vaccines actually deliver the information about what the body needs to do in terms of mounting this immune response. They deliver it in two different ways. And sometimes that makes for a higher quality, more enhanced immune response. And that's really what we're seeing very strongly coming through with those uh, mixed vaccine regimes. And something people might be wondering
0: about ahead of getting a booster and a discussion that we would have had in the early days when the vaccines are being developed is about side effects. So what do we know about the side effects of boosters? Are they basically the same as, as the first and second doses people would have had?
1: Yeah, so the concern um has always been around boosters as to whether or not it would give you a higher chance of side effects because there was evidence that the second dose of some of our um vaccines, people reported having more side effects with the second dose than with the first dose. And actually, what's what's really kind of played out both in those trials, but also in real world data is, is that there's no significant difference in the side effects, particularly any of the more severe side effects um, between the second and the third dose. So I think that people can be reassured that having a booster is not going to give them any higher chance of having any more or any less side effects than they've had on the previous two doses. And they're safe. They're as safe as the other ones. Absolutely. And it's this, you know, it's the same. It's the same vaccine that they've had before. Their body has seen this vaccine before if they haven't had any kind of a severe side effect to the first and second dose there would be absolutely no scientific reason for them to have one of those severe side effects to the booster dose.
0: And then people who are at risk of severe illness they're now getting their booster or a third dose as as it's being referred to for this group so how much of a difference will it make for the protection
1: they have? So yes, there's a cohort of people getting a third dose at the moment as opposed to a booster. And I suppose just to kind of clearly dictate what the difference between those is, a booster is given to somebody who had a normal immune response, doesn't have any um, immunocompromised uh, condition, and they have waning immunity after a period of time, maybe up to six months, and then they're given a booster to boost that immunity. People who are immunocompromised don't normally have a very powerful immune um, response to a vaccine in general. So the data is kind of showing that the response that they might have had after the first and second dose might not be as powerful as other people's. And therefore the additional dose is just part now of their vaccine regime to give them as much protection as possible. They may also have boosters in the future if their immunity starts to wane, but their additional dose really is to give them the best possible chance of having as high an immune response um, as possible uh, to the vaccine. And they almost need to see the vaccine a few more times to have as good a response to somebody who's not immunocompromised.
0: So then what about people who've had COVID since they got their two doses? Will they have some kind of super immunity when they get their booster?
1: Yeah, so um, Lots of data out there looking at people who had an initial um, COVID infection and then had their um, two doses of vaccine on top of that. And then also people who had vaccines and then uh, had a breakthrough infection and had COVID. And actually what they all show is, is that the level of immunity in these people is really high. I mean, they get almost like a supersized response, particularly if you have Delta, and you're vaccinated. Because Delta is the dominant strain at the moment, to have been infected with Delta and have specific immune response to Delta gives you the best level of protection going into the future. So what I'd say is that it's almost, for those who have been unfortunate enough to have COVID infection, I suppose the upside of it is, is that their level of immunity will be as high as it possibly could be. It's almost like they've already had their booster.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about these almost as if they're isolated examples, but isn't it likely that we're all probably going to encounter the virus at some stage now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, my own view is, is that in everything that we do in everyday life now, we're encountering people with virus. And some of those are people who are just not aware that they're coming down with symptoms and they're still circulating in the general population and they're infectious and they don't know and some of them are asymptomatic because their vaccine has worked so well that they don't even feel any symptoms of having covid and but they may have enough viral load to be able to transmit i call those secret spreaders and i suppose you know the 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 issue is that you don't know when you're encountering somebody whether they might be carrying covid and be completely asymptomatic and and that's the situation that we're in now so i would say that we're as exposed to COVID, more exposed to COVID than we've ever been in the entirety of the pandemic. And that at least one person that you meet every day is carrying COVID and you don't know it. I'm wondering
0: if we're going to see a lot of people eventually contracting COVID, is that going to give us stronger immunity at a population level in addition to the benefits of the vaccine rollout?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, overall population immunity is um, a collection of the immunity that somebody has from vaccination and the immunity that we have from natural infection. Now the data that we have at the moment shows that the immunity from natural infection can last up to nine or ten months we don't know long term how how that will, you know, fare out next year or the year after. And some would say we don't know that with the vaccine either. But the more vaccination that we have and the more natural immunity that we have in our population, it will give us a higher level of population immunity than we have from vaccination alone. So I think that when we come into next year and next winter, First of all, we may have more children vaccinated and second of all, we will have had more of the population that have had the infection. So we will absolutely certainly have a higher level of population um, immunity going into next year than we have this year.
0: We spoke earlier about the third dose for people who are immunocompromised. Well, we heard Tanishta, Leo Varadkar saying recently that it appears the vaccine in a more general sense is going to have to be a three course vaccine, perhaps for everyone, rather than the initial two doses we expected would be enough. Why is that the case?
1: Yeah, so I suppose, again, it comes back to, you know, that you... Perfect the regime of a vaccine that you roll out as you go, as you learn more about how the vaccine's performing, as you encounter other variants and you have to adjust. So, when we rolled out the COVID vaccine, we had alpha variant, and the level of immunity that we were getting against it was so high, it was up into the 95%. And obviously that's a little bit different now with Delta. So you perfect a vaccine regime as you go. And I suppose what we're learning now is, is that if waning immunity is happening after five to six months and we have to boost now, it may be that in the future we just make that a three shot vaccine and it's not seen as a booster. That said, that waning immunity, as I I said earlier, is mattering more because we have such a high case number. And maybe into next year with increased population immunity, we may have less case numbers and therefore waning immunity may not be a problem and you may not need three doses. So I really think we're going to learn a lot about two doses versus three dose in a high COVID case environment. I think we're going to learn a lot this winter and we're going to perfect our vaccine regime accordingly next year um, in order to avoid any more surges.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about you know, the focus on particularly vulnerable groups uh, who are getting their boosters at the moment, but there has been a discussion about a wider rollout to the population as time moves on. Now, there are some ethical questions around this. Should we not be giving vaccines to developing countries who are really struggling to roll out to their populations with first and second doses instead of boosting healthy people?
1: yeah and i mean you know i i think that you know my my view in on this is that is that we need to do both i mean we're 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 boosting at the moment because we have vulnerable populations um who are being severely affected by covid so if you look at the numbers of cases in people over the age of 55 and 60, they're very high. But if you look at the translation of that to hospitalizations, it's much higher than with the younger age cohort. So, you know, we certainly need to be boosting in order to be able to prevent severe infection and, and death in, in those populations. As we come into the younger population, so as we come into the 50s and 40s, etc. again, I think we need to stop and ask, what's the impact of waning immunity on our overall case number uh, if we're going to boost those people so i think we know that we're going to have high case numbers going through the winter so that would kind of tell you that the waning immunity still matters and we should boost younger people but i think that we shouldn't it shouldn't be an either or i think we need to be doing both and i think one of the key things that certainly lots of organizations um have been campaigning for is to be able to, I suppose, release more information about how to make these vaccines and make them at a lower cost for other countries in order to be able to roll them out faster. And I know that all the European countries are part of a vaccination distribution cohort. And I know that we distribute vaccines in that way. So I think that we need to be doing both. I think that otherwise we're making a choice between our potentially um, vulnerable adults and the potentially vulnerable adults in another country. And I I think that's a choice that nobody wants to make. So I think we need to be doing both. And what I would say to people is, is that there is a way to buy vaccines, to be able to donate vaccines to third world countries. And that's what we should all be doing in Ireland after we get our vaccines.
0: Yeah, now here in Ireland, the exact fine print of how boosters will be rolled out going forward, that's still being worked out. And listeners can keep an eye on the site for all the details going forward. But, Christine, I'm wondering, are we expecting that everyone will end up getting a booster? I mean, it feels like we're lucky to be even having this conversation, given so many countries are struggling to get vaccines.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to your earlier question about, you know, are we talking about boosters or are we talking about a three-shot regime? And I think that if the waning immunity is going to be so important because we're dealing with a different variant to what we actually made the vaccine for in the first place, then it would seem like, the waning immunity is going to impact on those age cohorts as they come nearer to that five and six months post second dose. So I definitely think that we're going to roll out for the next six months. I think we're going to be rolling out a third dose. And I think that's potentially the way our vaccine regime is going to shape up um, into the future, that that's going to become the norm as opposed to a booster.
0: So when you say you think that's going to become the norm, Does that mean we can expect to get you know a fourth fifth sixth dose is this going to be you know sort of three a year or something like that forever
1: no i think what will happen is is that for the next few winters we're going to be dealing with potentially high levels of seasonal COVID 19 for the next few years and i think in that instance you might be talking about a booster going into the winter for people over a certain age or people with certain vulnerabilities much in the way that we kind of manage flu i suppose coming into the winter I think that, you know, as our population immunity grows over the next few years, unless we're dealing with completely new variants, I think that that population immunity is going to mean a lot next year in terms of our impact on our seasonal um, COVID and Mm -hmm. even more so the following year. So I think our, What we're looking at maybe next year is possibly a booster programme for people coming into the winter, and that might be people only over a certain age group, depending on what our population immunity is at the time. And then it will be pretty much, I'd say, the same for the following year or two. And then I think we'll probably see potentially a difference in that, you know, population immunity might be so high that seasonal COVID may not play as big a role in our lives as it is at the moment.
0: And we're hearing now about second generation vaccines. Does this mean that next year, if we need a booster in the winter, we might be getting a completely different vaccine? And how will they be different?
1: Yeah, so um, essentially when the Alpha variant came on the scene earlier this year, Pfizer actually tweaked their mRNA vaccine to be more specific um, against Alpha. Um, And they did a short clinical trial and showed that it was quite specific. When Delta variant kind of came out this year, they started to tweak their vaccines. And what they're actually doing at the moment is, is I suppose they're preparing for if another variant comes along, that's very vaccine evasive. So what the companies are doing is, is that they're, I suppose, putting a proof of principle in place to be able to tweak vaccines and show that they can do it and that they would be able to respond to a variant that might arise that the vaccine is not very strong against. And mRNA vaccines, because they deliver uh, the recipe for how to for how your body makes the spike protein to kind of switch on your antibodies to, because it delivers a recipe, you can tweak the recipe as you go. Um, and that's the joy, I suppose, of and the flexibility of mRNA vaccines. You wouldn't necessarily be able to do that with another vaccine um, as quickly. So I feel like the vaccine companies are ready and waiting to be able to roll out and make at mass scale a, a a perfected vaccine for a variant that might arise that might give us a lot of pr- problems with vaccine uh, evasiveness. So that's what they're doing in the background. And just to end on a positive note, or what I hope is going to be a positive
0: note anyway, do you feel like the booster programme is going to make a real noticeable difference in Ireland over the next few weeks?
1: I absolutely do, uh, Michelle. I think that the booster programme is going to address a really key issue that we have at the moment. One is that we have high levels of transmission because COVID is so high, and one of the problems that we have, I suppose, that's allowing that to happen is that waning immunity means that people are more vulnerable to being able to pick up the in the infection. That's the first thing, and that's case numbers. When we look at the booster program, it's very much focused on people who are vulnerable and people over the age of 60 we know that the rate of translation into hospitalisation from case numbers is the highest in age groups over the age of 60. So if we boost that population and we impact on case numbers in that cohort, I really think that's going to further weaken that link between case numbers and hospitalizations. And I think once we do that, that's the most important thing that we need to do in the coming weeks and months is to make sure that the translation into severe illness and disease and death is as small as it can be. And I think the Vaccine Booster Programme will really address that key objective that we need to be focused on at the moment. It is the only thing that's going to, I suppose, address the issue that we have with the capacity in our healthcare system and the impact it's having on the other types of healthcare that we still need to be doing at the moment. Well it's obviously an uncertain
0: time at the moment and I really think what you're saying there will give people listening a bit of hope for the next few weeks. So thanks Christine for coming on and telling us everything we need to know about boosters. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and thanks again to Christine for joining me today. This episode is brought to you by producers Eva Barry and Nikki Ryan. If you liked what you heard and you want to support The Explainer, there are a few things you can do. You can head over to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or leave us a rating and a review as well if you're feeling generous wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening.
1: Until next time.